is concerning that of faith. We find that faith be the common theme uh, in this portion of Scripture, in this chapter. Uh, but what's interesting is, is, as we've talked about and mentioned this morning, the Lord never desired to call attention to a man that that man might be seen. But the Lord wants us to let our light so shine before men that they may see what? The Lord. And uh, so we understand that we are, as, as Brother Shane mentioned sometimes, and, and it's true, we're ambassadors. And we are going into a, a lost and dying world, should be exemplifying that of Christ. And I want to say this, it, it ought not be hard for someone to see Christ in you. It will not be hard for someone to see Christ in you if we're living the way Christ wants us to. Uh, now, I say that and take my licking just like everybody else does because I find the guy that cuts me off down here at the red lights just liable to get hollered at as anybody else, amen? And so I have to be careful with that. And for some reason, I'm a little more sensitive as of late to ignorant drivers. It drives me up the wall. Uh, I told my wife, we can't go anywhere anymore without somebody cutting us off and slamming on the brakes and then to have the audacity to be angry at us and we was just minding our own business going where we was going. So I, I understand that. But having said all that, we are not the, we're not looking at, at individuals here in Hebrews chapter number 11 just for the sake of saying how wonderful they were. Even though the Bible says that there's some, as we get on into the latter part, latter part of this chapter, of whom some the world was not worthy. Well, that's living for God. It's living for God, exemplifying Christ, when the Bible says of whom the world was not worthy. Do you know what made uh, the world unworthy of them? It wasn't them. It was the Christ that liveth within them. Amen? And so I'm glad Christ lives within. But if he lives within, we ought to exemplify him without, right? We're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That don't mean that you get saved differently than I do. Or that I got saved differently than you did. It means the salvation that I have on the inside should be worked outwardly that others may see Christ. All right? So having said that, we're going to continue on here. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. We read verses 1 through 4 uh, this morning, and we're going to try to preach out of verse number 5 tonight if the Lord would be our helper and uh, just continue on with our study concerning this matter of faith. And knowing that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, we find that faith is indeed evidence. But we're going to look here in, these, in this study and see the evidence of faith. All right? So as we do that, let's stand tonight and we'll stretch our legs for a minute. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 11, starting in verse number 1, the Bible said, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, uh, that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet Speak, if you can be seated this, uh, this evening. Heavenly Father, help us now, we pray. Amen and amen. Notice here that the Bible said, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. In other words, what Abel done was testified of God that it was righteous. 
Abel didn't testify of himself that he was righteous. It was his brother Cain who brought to God his own righteousness, but it was Abel who in his humbleness, God said and declared that he was indeed righteous. Anytime you humble yourself and, and intend in obeying God's will, that is what the Lord is looking for, and the Lord will get on board with that and help you. It's not that the Lord is on our side, it's that we're on the Lord's side, and if you're on the Lord's side, then he's on your side. Amen? And so if you're on side together with the Lord, it'll be because you stand on his side. So having said that, uh, we see that Abel uh, took a lamb and he offered it unto the Lord. Now he did so by faith. And faith, we understand, we have faith because of the word of God. It is, for without faith it is impossible to please God, the Bible says, but faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how did this man have faith? He had something to go on, and what he went on was he was confident that he was doing what God wanted because God said what he wanted. And let me say this. God's not asking you to live for him not knowing which way to go. God clearly, clearly helps us to understand how we are to go to please him. We're not walking around here in the dark with a light off, fumbling around looking for the light switch. He gave us the word of God, and we can please him should we want to. And by wanting to, you're already on the road to pleasing him. All right? As we've stated over and over again, it is a matter of the heart. But the Bible does say here, uh, and, and we understand that Cain brought his works, his own righteousness. And we have taught on and, and we've been looking at Ephesians chapter number 2. The Bible said, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So what are we finding here? We're finding that his works was not desired of God. God was desiring that, that Abel bring to God more of God. If you want God to be pleased, we must present godliness to God. Alright? So the Bible says here, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation he had this testimony. Now notice, if you will, what does verse 4 say about Abel? The Bible said, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. The testimony that Abel left behind is furthered by God's testimony. God gets in line and backs up the testimony of Abel. What do we find about Enoch? Now you'll find that one common thing about all these individuals is they had a testimony. Alright, now notice this. The Bible said by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. What does that mean? Now in verse 4, as we're looking at these individuals in this chapter, we're finding there's a theme. Number one, in, in the, the life of Abel, we see a blood sacrifice. This portion of scripture takes us back into the book of Genesis, and we are, we are face to face with the very first sacrifice that was given because of Adam and Eve's sin. And the very next generation, we find that being Cain and Abel, we find yet again a sacrifice. They did not do this blind. They did this by faith that God wanted them to offer a sacrifice. One chose to offer blood sacrifice. One chose to offer works. The one that chose to offer works was rejected. The one that chose the blood, praise God, was accepted. 
So we find that the blood sacrifice is in verse 4. Verse 5, we see this matter of tra being translated. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found. In other words, if Brother Shane was translated, uh, I'm looking at it one minute, and the next minute, it don't matter where I go in the church building, I can't locate Brother Shane. He's been translated. All right, so what's that mean? Well, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because of what? God had translated him, for before his translation, he had his testimony. Notice this, that he pleased God. Isn't that amazing? Enoch had the testimony that he pleased God. Now, would you say that God was upset with Cain? Absolutely. We see that he was. God was aggravated that Cain brought to him his works. But God in his mercy, God in his mercy gave him an opportunity to make that wrong right, and he chose not to make it right. And so Cain has to suffer for it. But now we move on to Enoch, and we find that Enoch had a testimony that he pleased God. Undoubtedly he did. God did not allow Enoch to die. God translated him. In other words, he brought him to be with him. God took up Enoch from this walk of life for the shame and put him in the presence of himself. All right. So let's look at Enoch's life here for just a moment. Let's go to Genesis chapter 5 and verse number 24, I believe, is where I want to be at tonight. Genesis chapter number 5, verse number 24. Now let me say this, for without faith it is what? Impossible to please God. But this man has left a testimony, Brother Shane, that he pleased God. He had to have faith. How do you have faith? Faith coming by here, hearing by the word of God. If you're going to please God, you're going to have to offer to God what's already his. Sounds to me like, Brother Marvin, this man was in tune uh, with what it was to please an almighty God. If you want to please an almighty God, you're going to have to be in tune with him as well. Amen? You can't please God if you're not in tune with God's desires. How do you get in tune with God's desires? You have to know what God wants. Sounds to me like Enoch was a man that wanted to know what God wanted and was willing not only to know what he wanted, but to give him what he wanted. All right? So the Bible says here in Genesis 5 and 24, and Enoch walked with God. Now, let's, let's look here because we're not too many generations into this walk of life. What is it that we find in Genesis chapter uh, number 3? Go with me there for just a moment. Genesis chapter number 3, the Bible says in verse number 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God, listen now, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord 
got amongst the trees of the garden. The Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? You know what this means? This means that this particular day, the Lord came and was walking in the cool of the garden at that very special time of day, Brother Marvin, but Adam wasn't to be found. God wasn't just walking around in the cool of the day to walk around. He was walking in the cool of the day to be with that of Adam and to fellowship and commune and enjoy the company of Adam. But Adam had sinned. Sin brought separation between man and God. We find that man was put out of the Garden of Eden and not allowed back in. Right? And so we find that before he was sent out that God sacrificed an animal, placed a coat of skins upon them to cover their nakedness, and sent them out. Now, you will find that Cain, as we stated uh, this morning in Genesis chapter number 4, verse number 16, went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. What happened? He was separated from God. Why? Because he would not yield himself. Now, here's what's interesting. Separation came because of sin, but God had always made provisions for the man to be able to fellowship with God. Cain's uh, unwillingness to follow the will of God caused him to be separated from God. Abel, however, we don't find him separated from God. Enoch, though, the Bible says in Genesis chapter number 5 and verse number 24, that he walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. What's that mean? That means somehow or other, Enoch was able to do with God what Adam was not able to do with God in the Garden of Eden. Now, he did not walk with God in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden. But he did, God did make provisions that he could walk with God and have a relationship with God and fellowship with God in so much that God desired to take him and translate him and bring him into the presence of himself. And he had a testimony that he pleased God. I want to say to you, in 2021, there's no excuse for not pleasing God. There's no excuse for not walking with God. And I want you to know tonight that you can both please God and walk with God, not because of what you are, but because of the provisions that he made. But you will have to yield to his will, all right? So having said that, we find here that Enoch walked with God. How did he walk with God? He undoubtedly had to please God. We find that he had a testimony that he pleased God, but he could not have walked with God unless he pleased God. All right? So let's look at Jude, chapter number, or the only chapter in the book of Jude, okay? Jude, verse number 14. We're studying right now on the life of Enoch. And we're also, while we're studying on these people that's in Hebrews chapter number 11, we're looking at the theme that the faith that these individuals had shows us in Scripture. Now, the, the faith is the common theme, but each one of these evidences of faith is showing us a little bit different picture. And in the, uh, the matter of Abel, we find the blood sacrifice. In the matter of Enoch, we're going to get there in just a minute. The Bible said in verse 14, And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam. Now, you'll find that Cain had a son named Enoch from Adam. This is not the Enoch in which we're talking about here. We are talking about the offspring of that of Seth. Okay? Seventh from Adam. Alright? So seven generations down. 
So the Bible said, And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints, verse 15, to execute judgment on all, uh, yeah, and to convince all that are ungodly among them all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now notice with me, if you will, the Bible says the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. What does that mean? Well, let's look here at the, the thrust of Jude for just a moment. I realize that uh, Brother Shane was here in Sunday school class, but this just kind of worked out this way as I began to look at this expositionally. As I stated already earlier today, when you start studying things expositionally, it'll run in a million different directions, and by the time you chase that all, down, all the way down, uh, you find that you cause the older ladies of the church to get home late, and you run into about five different Sundays of trying to get said what it is that you need to say. Amen. So I'm trying to help get this lined out in my head, so you bear with me for just a few moments. All right, the Bible obviously is teaching us here in Jude, verse 14, that Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things. So Enoch was a prophet. Enoch was getting divine revelation from God. How was it that he pleased God? He heard from God. You do not find faith separated from God's word. You cannot have faith apart from God's word. You cannot please God apart from his word. All right? But Enoch was a man that prophesied. He pleased God, had a relationship with God. He heard from God. He obeyed God. He walked with God. And he pleased God. And God translated him and brought him into his presence. But what's interesting about the book of Jude is uh, the, the, the issue in this book here, this small, loaded, packed portion of Scripture, is apostasy. We find that apostasy was an issue in that day. Now, if it was an issue in that day, just look at today. Uh, we find that even in those days, in the early church days, that apostasy was that of an issue. But it is rampant today in 2021. And because of that, we find here that even in that day, that the Bible said in verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. That is to fight, that is to labor, that is to defend at all costs, to do everything you can to earnestly contend for the faith. The faith. What are we dealing with in Hebrews chapter number 11? Faith. Faith. It's a common thread, a common theme in this portion of Scripture. What are we contending for here? What is, what is Jude saying we must contend for? The faith. Now, let me, if I can, try to give you a definition of what the faith is. It's the ascent of the mind or understanding to the truth of what God has revealed. Simple belief of the scriptures, of the perfections of God, and of the existence, character, and doctrines of Christ. Founded on the testimony of what? The sacred writers, according to the dictionary, 1828 and all Webster's. It's the ascent of the mind to the truth of divine Revelation, on the authority of God's testimony, accompanied with a cordial assent of the will or approbation of the heart. An entire confidence or trust in God's character 
and declarations and in the character and doctrines of Christ with an unreserved surrender of the will to his guidance and dependence on his merits for salvation. Now what happens here in these days, people were leaning back upon the things of the law and on their traditions for salvation. It was not, it was not that they were solely leaning upon the blood that was shed at Calvary or Jesus Christ and him crucified for that of salvation. They were apostates. They were people that were believing that it was not just Jesus, but if it was Jesus, it was Jesus plus something or Jesus minus something, but it wasn't just Jesus. And so Jude is saying here, we can't go or make it without Jesus. You're not going to get to heaven without Jesus. If you want people to escape hell, you're going to have to earnestly contend for the faith. Because people have turned their back on Christ and the church. So having said that, it's the firm belief of God's testimony and of the truth of the gospel. Now what does the gospel do? How shall they hear without a preacher? Alright, so what does the gospel do? This says it's the firm belief of God's testimony and of the truth of the gospel which influences the will. Oh, I remember when the gospel influenced my will. And leads to an entire reliance on Christ for salvation. I remember when I had to rely solely upon Christ for my salvation. You know what happens when you don't rely solely upon Christ for your salvation? You bring your works to the table. Well, it's amazing how this is tying into what we just found with Cain and Abel. Enoch was a man that understood what it was to please God. And Enoch is mentioned in the book of Jude when Jude is talking about earnestly contending to the faith. Brother Shane, isn't it amazing how this all starts tying together? It's a thread that runs from Revelation backwards one through Genesis, friends. And it all screams Jesus Christ and him crucified. So, having said that, the Bible said, Enoch also the seventh of Adam prophesied these saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. All right, so as we understand here, there's something we're fixing to find, but we've got to dig this out. Verse 4 said here in Jude 4, or in Jude verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. In other words, we're saved by grace through faith. But these apostates are trying to make light of the grace of God. What Jude is saying here is you have to earnestly contend for the truth. The truth is that you are saved by grace through faith, plus plus nothing, minus nothing. All right, so as he makes this clear, he also makes it known that there'll be those that creep in under the radar that are here to tear down the doctrines of grace through faith and the doctrines of the blood. What? You can't be saved without the blood. So what are they doing? They're tearing down fundamental doctrinal truths. And what we're finding here is these fundamental doctrinal truths, Enoch shows up. Enoch is closely related to that of of the story that we find with Cain and Abel, where blood was an issue and faith was on the line. All right, so having said that here, the Bible says in verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not, and the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in the everlasting chains under darkness and the judgment 
of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now listen here. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring again him a railing accusation. Now you're going to find Moses shows up in Hebrews chapter 11 as well. We're not there yet, but just hold that in your mind, okay? Uh, but these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts and those things that corrupt them. So, so these, these are not saved folk that's turned their back on the Lord. Jude's not talking about saved folk that turn their back on God. Jude's talking about those out here that's lost that know Jesus Christ in the free part of sin who's trying to do away with the doctrines of grace through faith and the blood and the need for a lamb, the propitiation, that spotless uh, uh, lamb that had no blemish. All right, so, so having said that, we continue on through here and we find that the Bible says, but these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally is brute beasts and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of who? Cain. That blows my mind, Brother Shane. I mean, it blows my mind how this stuff ties in. He said, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam. You know what they've done? They've went after something else besides God. So the Bible says here, for reward and perish in the game, saying, of course. Now, Brother Shane mentioned that this morning in Sunday school, and I'm not going to deal with that, but you read about that. We'll get there when we start dealing with Moses, how they went up against the man of God. Brother Shane in the ground opened up and swallowed up Korah and everything and everybody that was on his side against the leadership of Moses. Then the Bible said, these are spots in the feast of Cherry when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds there without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. I mean, there's nothing to them. There's no substance. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And here we go. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to do what? Execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have uh, ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now here's the interesting thing. What happened to Cain? Cain was judged. Cain was judged and he was sent out towards the land of Nod and he wasn't even allowed to be killed. God wanted him to suffer the consequences or was going to make him. Let me back up. God did not want him to. But God is holy. God made provision. He did not choose the provision God set forth. And so he had to suffer the consequences of rejecting God's will. Anybody that rejects God's will will have to suffer the consequences. All right? So having said that, though, we're understanding here that there's an issue. This matter of Enoch's going to tie in with Abel and Cain. Just pay attention here. God has caused Enoch to prophesy. And in his prophecy, he is prophesying that the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. What in the world could he be talking about here? To execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds. What happened to Enoch? He was translated. Now Enoch in the Old Testament was translated before the law was ever put into place. What is 
What is this idea of translation? Where else do we see that in the scripture? We see that at the rapture. Because if you're alive when, G when God tells Christ to come back and get his church, we're going to meet him in the air. I'm not going to lay down and die, Brother Shane. I'm going to be translated. This robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize. So you're going to find here that the Bible is talking about executing judgment upon who? Well, when the Lord returns after the tribulation period to destroy his enemies and set up his millennial kingdom at Jerusalem on the throne of David, this prophecy will be fulfilled in part. Because what we're seeing here is a prophecy spoken by Enoch which foretells us the doom upon the apostates. Those down through the ages that have turned against God and preached another doctrine other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. We find the lamb and the blood in the very beginning of the book of Genesis and we do not lose sight of the lamb and the blood all the way through the 66 and wild books of your King James Bible. It's there, friend. And God is so aggravated and frustrated by someone doing away with that doctrine that he starts dealing with it in the first few books, of, I mean, first few chapters of the first book in the Bible. We're finding things in the first few chapters of Genesis that deal from Genesis all the way to the tail end of Revelation. And Jude is letting us know here that we have a prophet that prophesied about the judgment concerning the return of the Lord Jesus Christ with his saints when he sets up the millennial kingdom and rules and reigns from Jerusalem for a thousand years. And then after that, Brother Shane, when the millennial kingdom is over with, and a thousand years fulfilled. Then we move into the great white throne judgment. To where this prophecy is fulfilled even further. Now Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Enoch did not see death from the earth. In this context, Enoch is, uh, Enoch is showing us in typology the saints of God that will escape the tribulation Period. That's what he is foreshadowing. That is the type that we see in typology of Enoch. You say, preacher, don't spend a lot of time on typology. You can't help but find typology when you preach expositionally. I didn't start out preaching typology. I'm preaching expositionally, and these types keep throwing out and slapping us in the face because the Lord was showing folks something even before the law ever existed. That what? That there was a Lord Jesus Christ who was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest, as we find out in these last times for me and you. Even though he was foreordained, the Lord was pointing to the Lamb all along. God was pointing to the Lamb. All right, so we find here, uh, moving on here. <clears throat> so uh, we see that Noah is the great grandson of Enoch, to whom went through what? The judgment of God. Upon the earth, Enoch was translated before the judgment of God come upon the earth. You and I are not going through that tribulation period. You can take all the amillennials, postmillennials, whatever millennials you want to, and you cannot refute premillennialism in the Word of God. It's all the way back from the Old Testament to the book of Genesis. Now, I know that upsets people, but it's just the truth. You can't refute it, it's right here in the scriptures. And if you can refute it, please catch me after church and tell me how I'm wrong. 
I want to see if you got something better than this because this just keeps tying together and, and it ties together and ties together and keeps tying together and you can't untie it. It runs together so many places. And so the Bible here, this, this picture in a nutshell, is that Enoch escaped death by walking with God and pleasing him. It's that simple. It's that simple. Now, how do we please him? Not by our own works, but by the Lamb. You know how we escape the tribulation? Do you know how? By pleasing God and walking with him. You can't paint a better picture of salvation than this. You could come up with everything under the sun, and you can't come up with a better picture of salvation than this. Just by what? Looking at faith. Looking at faith in the Word of God. What are we saved by? Grace through faith. Plus nothing, minus nothing. Abel brought something other than works. Cain brought works and was rejected. Abel brought that of a blood sacrifice. Enoch shows us that he pleased God and escaped death. And we see a type of the rapture there. Let's go to uh, Revelation, or excuse me, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Read a familiar portion of Scripture. We'll be done tonight. But the Bible said, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren. This is chapter 4, verse 13, 1 Thessalonians. Concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as those which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Listen, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. This is a picture of the very thing that happened to that event. Now, in the first five chapters of Genesis, and within the first seven generations of mankind, I want you to notice what we've already seen in this study. Think about this with me for just a moment. We're, we're, we're almost done. In the first five chapters of Genesis, and within the first seven generations of mankind, and within the first five verses of Hebrews chapter number 11, we have seen sin, we have seen the blood sacrifice. We have seen the rejection of works. We have seen the rapture of the church and the judgment of the apostates at the Battle of Armageddon and the great white throne judgment. Those are major doctrines that have been taken out of the scripture in the first five chapters of the book of Genesis, the first five verses of the book of Hebrews, and within the first seven generations of mankind on the earth, before the law ever had a thing to do with the world. I'm sick, I love the Bible, and that law had a place, but I'm sick of people falling back on the law as if the law's got something to do with this. Friend, we're saved by grace plus nothing, minus nothing. Your works are worth nothing, mine are worth nothing, but the Lamb is worth everything, and if we're going, we're going by the Lamb. And if we're going to walk with him, we're going to walk with him by the Lamb. If we're going to please him, we're going to please him by offering him what satisfies him, and that's just more of him. Amen? So what do we find here? We find that Abel, we see the blood sacrifice in verse 4 of the, of the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. Verse 5, we see the picture of the rapture, and we see the judgment of God upon apostates. 
the blood and the rapture. Imagine that. We're not going through the rapture, friend, to be with Jesus. We're not going to be translated if we've not come by the blood. You see the order in which it's taking place here. The blood first, the translation later. Both of these men had faith, and both of these men pleased God. But we're starting to build a doctrinal truth in the very, in the very uh, 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 study in these individual lives and the different things that the Lord shows us as an evidence of their faith. As an evidence of the faith of Abel, we see a blood sacrifice. As an evidence of the faith of that of Enoch, we see the rapture of the church and the translation of one that pleased God and walked with God. I thank the Lord for the book of Hebrews. I thank the Lord that I have faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. And because of their faith, think about this now. Our faith, we're supposed to be exemplifying something, right? Our faith in the Lord should be, we work out our own salvation as spirit Christians. What happened? What did these men show us through their faith? The Lord is not just showing us men that had faith. The Lord is showing us the evidences of their faith. And the evidences of their faith are revealing to us the blood sacrifice and that of the rapture and the translation of the judgment of God upon people who did not walk and did not please God. Your faith tells a story. Their faith tells us a story. But true faith will tell you the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. True faith will point you to someone else to the blood of the cross of Calvary. True faith will exemplify the Lamb, not yourself. So we have faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. For by the elders obtained a good report. You want a good report? You want to please God? You want God to be satisfied with you? You know how you do that? You walk with God. You better. You can't walk with God, though, unless you've been with the blood sacrifice. You see, Abel had to be connected with that of the blood sacrifice. Enoch, he pleased God, walked with God, loved God. Undoubtedly, Brother Marvin, he understood something about that blood sacrifice himself. For had he not understood, he could not have pleased God. Starts with the blood, friend. Then it starts with walking and pleasing God. And when you do that and you show faith in that way, you can't help but people see the message that God is wanting to show them. God's not wanting them to see you. God's wanting, you, wanting them to see himself through you. And we see that in Abel's life and in Enoch's life, we see the Lord and the plan of salvation in Cain's life we see the judgment upon one who does not do anything for God except bring to God his own work alright Heavenly Father thank you for this study tonight we thank you for uh, this loaded chapter man how we've just seen things today uh, in the scriptures as they tie together and uh, we love it we love it when we can look at the word of God and just truths break out and open us up and show us things and Lord how amazing it is to find these fundamental doctrinal solid truths so early in the word of God how they're prominent beyond measure how they're just they stand out with such fatness that we we, 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 we don't even realize at times all the things that are being shown to us 
in these early portions of Scripture. Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful Christ and, and the blood and all those things was never plan B. Lord, we find it even before the law was instituted. How amazing it is the provisions that were provided for mankind. The law was our schoolmaster to show us that we were not able. Lord, I'm convinced tonight. I know I'm not. I know I'm not able, but I need you. I need you to help us. Lord, I pray that you'd move in our lives this week. I pray that you'd help us to have faith. And we know if we're going to have faith, we're going to have it by the word of God. We know without faith it is impossible to please you. So that means we're going to have to get in the word of God, stay in the word of God, utilize the word of God for our final authority, all things faith and practice, if we're going to even get close to doing that which is pleasing unto you. We love you tonight. Thank you for dying for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, appreciate your good attention tonight. And uh, uh, any, anything on your heart tonight, any announcements need to be mentioned uh, that maybe I have failed uh, to mention today that you want me to remember? Anything at all? Please continue to pray uh, for Miss Weekly. Uh, her mama is not doing well at all, and her and Brother Ray are in Florida uh, trying to take care of that situation and be by her side. It uh, don't know all the details. I'm not sure if I did that they would even want me to share them, but I will go as far to say that uh, there is a, uh, a great likelihood that she would not be on this earth much longer, and uh, and so they are. Uh, they said she's in good spirits as far as uh, saved by the grace of God. Knows where she's headed if she passes from this life, uh, but there will be a void, no doubt. Anybody that's lost a loved one understands that, and so we want to be much in prayer for that for, for that family. Also. We'll continue to keep praying for the families in our church that have lost loved ones uh, as of late and uh, have a hole in their heart. And uh, we want you to continue to pray for them. All right? All right. Uh, we got, uh, as stated already on the 21st, we got a meal. There's a sign up sheet in the back. You sign up for that if you will. And uh, I need to see you deacons for just a few minutes here, uh, if that'd be all right. Anything else before we dismiss? Brother Isaac, will you dismiss us, please?